In this episode, we discuss a movie about a man who only has a limited number of words to speak. In other words, Elliot's worst nightmare. We talk about a thousand words. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And Elliot Kalen as himself. <clears throat> so, it's grown nuts. a grown a beard, huh? <laughs> no, it's just it's, it's just uh, the weekend. I didn't shave. I'm glad okay. that we're bringing this up since the listeners have certainly noticed Dan's growth of beard. I mean, he's gonna put a picture of it on the on the what website? Well, did you ever put on the on the Blogspot website, Dan, the video of you as Santa Claus in a in a wrestling suit? On the on the on our main Flophouse website, yeah. I did not put a video. You need to do I that. I didn't feel like I needed to self-promote that much. I think you should. Someone put it up I'm giving on you Facebook. Per- I'm giving uh, you permission. Okay. Someone. I, I think of- you or your wife did, probably. Well, For- no, I put it on my own Facebook. Oh, okay. But, but someone put it on the Flophouse page. For those okay. of you, for those Flophouse fans who don't follow the Facebook page and really should, there's a lot of good debates and conversations about how small I am mm-hmm. and yep. how handsome Stuart is. Mm-hmm. And how I am a default human being. Yeah, you're just the basic standard human being. <laughs> like no. Uh, like a blank mannequin. You're what yeah, you get. A Danikin. When you go to the human store and you're like, ah, I don't want any of the fancy frills. <laughs> Just give me your basic model. Okay, do you want that rust proof? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, I'll have to talk to my manager about that. Uh, he, so uh, Dan recently, for those of you who don't know, uh, stopped being an, a television appearance virgin by appearing on The Daily Show in the role of high-pitched singing, dancing Santa in a wrestling leotard in a... Candy colored wonderland. Uh, it made no sense. And oh, that someone else turned down. <laughs> but we won't get into too much of behind the scenes. Dan, but, uh, how did it feel to make your parents proud by playing the role of wrestling leotard, high pitched singing Santa Claus? Well, they were out of town. Uh, they were out of the country in England at the time. So uh, I think that was the perfect time for them. And to luckily, happen. they don't ever check the internet in sure. England. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they don't have it Spoiler over there. Spoiler alert. Yet. They don't have the internet there yet. They still send messages via Raven. Mm hmm. They call it R mail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like O U R or No no R like in the letter for Raven. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So uh, Although they do have they did have a an ad campaign called Our R Mail, which was very confusing. Yeah. Hello, Gov. How you gonna get a letter from ear to ear? Our art mail. Clive Owen's mad about his mail. <laughs> yeah, he was. It was all it was a Hello, this is Daniel Craig. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty good. That's almost as good as mine, but yeah. don't worry about it. So, yeah. Another, <laughs> another, only another 50 appearances, and I'll be caught up with Hollywood Kalen. Yeah, well, when they start mentioning you by name HK. and not just hiding you behind a beard. Yeah. Zing. Uh, no, but nice work. We're all very proud of you. Uh, thanks. Stuart, now it's your turn to be on TV. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to go outside the Today Show while it's filming and hold up a sign sure. with your name on it, or run in and kiss Al Roker and run away. Okay, like dr- a kissing bandit type character? <laughs> exactly. Sure. Or you could like maybe you could dress like a leprechaun in a Speedo. And okay. uh, you know, sing Danny Boy. Okay, you're, like you're saying that like, On the Today like Show. I already did this. <laughs> do, do I not remember this? Uh, you'll see the video. Okay. But uh, this isn't a Cameo Appearances podcast. This is No, a- that's the Camcast, our other podcast. <laughs> 
with not the cam to be confused house. with uh, the other camp cast, which are Cam Gajanit. Or Cam Gajanit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is uh, I think you're pronouncing our, that right. Our Cam Clark podcast, which is also anyway. Keep <laughs> going. You're that? saying this is a podcast about uh, bad movies where we watch one and then chat about it afterwards. The uh-huh. flop house, we just call for, it. Just for just for funsies. Yeah, just just chilling. Yeah, you know, just for chillsies. Just a couple of guys three, being three buddies, just funning around, <laughs> being pals, and palling it up. Uh, but tonight we watched a, a, a film called. Yeah, I mean, it's the afternoon. Like, <laughs> don't don't pull the curtain back too far. Uh, Pay no attention to the daylight behind the curtain. <laughs> this uh, this movie was called A Thousand Words. A Thousand Words. You may remember it. No, you uh, won't. <laughs> <laughs> Who did it star? Mr. Edward Murphy. Yeah, Edward Murphy. This Be- movie, better known as Eddie. Yeah. Uh, this well, he's he's just like a superstar, knocking he, knocking out home runs every day. Oh yeah, he's he's had a lot of hits lately. I think a good indication. I can name all of them. Uh, Tower no. Heist. <laughs> Tower Heist did okay. Uh, Dave. Dream Girls. Yeah. Wait. Dave meet, was a meet, big failure. Meet, meet Dave. Meet Wait. Dave. Whatever it was called. Hey, which one? My has name Kevin is Dave. Klein in it. I am Sam. No, <laughs> Dave is the one with Kevin Klein. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think a good indication of what kind of movie this was is that this sat on the shelf for several years. Four while, years while Norbit got released right away. Yeah, so well, Norbit. The story. The the story I heard was that Norbit was a con- contractual obligation. That he said, if I'm going to do Dreamgirls, the movie that is going to get me nominated for an Oscar, you have to produce Norbit so that I can is be that in true? it. That 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 was what I had heard. That Norbit was the movie he really wanted to do, and he begrudgingly appeared in Dreamgirls. To get oh. it done, but anyway, this is a thousand words. This isn't the Norbit Cast. That's a yeah. different podcast we do, the Norb House, mm-hmm. or the about, Orbit Cast, which is about the moon, or Orbit's gum. This is about, or the Orbit's travel agency mm-hmm. online. This is about a thousand words. There are a lot of orbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Stuart. Ponder, ponder that for a while, Stu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is a movie, yeah, that sat on the shelf for four years until it was released, and I didn't realize it made back. It it in gross receipts it made about half of its original budget. So wow, and that, that was four big, years ago money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So think about how much less it was it made, even considering that was modern money. Yeah. So uh, Dan, should I go through the story of Megabucks. a thousand words? Yeah, I think since it our will, audience probably knows it, it's a classic folktale. It'll take you almost no time. It's like liar liar, but with a tree that sheds leaves. <laughs> That's basically yeah. it. Uh, now, Eddie Murphy is a high-powered literary agent, which is a joke because the publishing industry is dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does, he talks all the time. He's Eddie Murphy. He talks a lot. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. pay attention to his like family. Like a Robin Williams type guy. Mm-hmm. Or like like Eddie, that Micro Machines or, guy. Or like an Eddie Murphy type guy. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they just get that Micro Machines guy to do this shit? Now, every time you talk fast, the tree loses leaves. You'll have to talk slow, Micro Machines guy. He turns to drinking. Uh, now, Eddie Murphy plays... To slow himself down, of course. Yeah, he plays a high-powered literary agent, talks too much, talks too fast, doesn't express love for his family enough, uh, and he tries to to land the big book contract of a New Age healer named, was it Sanjay? Something like that. Sanja. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the love guru taught us nothing else, it's that movies, comedies about New Age healers are always hilarious. If Eddie Murphy's Soul Man <laughs> taught us anything... <laughs> Or whatever it's called, Holy I like Man. To think of that Maybe it's called Holy Man. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's Holy Man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but anyway, uh, what was the one with Heather Graham? Um, what well, that might have been the same movie. Was it? I don't think well, so. Well, the one with Heather, well, Heather Graham was in uh, Bowfinger with Eddie Murphy. No, no, I think we're about where it was like a new age. Boogie mysticism. Nights. Yeah, Boogie Nights. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> You're thinking of Killing Me Softly. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? Scrubs, the sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, he. 
he he talks to this holy sage and try and lands a book deal by saying, "I believe," lying to basically, "I believe in you, mm-hmm. and I want to make this happen." Uh, and he cuts him. He touches a tree and gets a splinter in his finger. Yep. That splinter is enough to create a mystical bond. Mm, makes him and the tree blood brothers. Later on, that tree appears in his very backyard, and every time he says a word, a leaf falls off it. And the sage tells him, "When there are no more leaves on that tree, you're going to die. So you only have a thousand words left in your life." Now, his marriage is falling apart. I mean, that makes that's that's good botany. Oh yeah, that's. <laughs> Well, he's not a when botanist. A, he's a, tree, a holy sage. When a tree loses its leaves, it's dead completely. Oh yeah, that's, yeah. Everyone's seen trees with no leaves. They never. They die right away. They yeah. never come back. There is a like. There's there's a leaf holocaust every fall, and then like uh, it's just trees. I mean, like new trees spring up though. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, I don't see why you had to bring the Holocaust. Yeah, this. I'm a little uncomfortable. Yeah, let me just get back to the movie then. <laughs> uh, tree genocide. <laughs> Basically, uh, Eddie Murphy causes no end of trouble by not talking in situations where he needs words. He loses a big book deal. Uh, he screws up his marriage. His wife sets up a sex errand, sex midday what? holiday. Like they're gonna, yeah. they're meeting in a hotel room, and she says, "Talk mm-hmm. to me, tell me, dirty, talk to me, and I'll do whatever you want me to do." But you have to talk to me, and he can't say anything because yeah, he's gonna. We've die. all been there, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, it's like a smorgasbord of sex in front of us, but we can't eat it. <laughs> Sisyphus. <laughs> that's not that's what Sisyphus. That's Tantalus. You confuse Sisyphus and Tantalus. Totally. Your classical education is a sham. <laughs> I want you to return that degree you got from the University of Online Mythology. <laughs> Boobs you, yeah. <laughs> Boobs you? Is that the Brazzers school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a postgraduate program. I majored in knockers at Boobs you. <laughs> With a minor in classics. <laughs> the minor in... <laughs> anyway, he screws everything up, uh, and he's always... His mother, played by Ruby D. Is in a mental, not a mental home. Is in a senior citizen's home, and uh, keeps confusing him with his father, who abandoned him as a child. And it turns out, by focusing so much in his career, he's recur- he's uh, repeating the errors of the past. It's just like mm-hmm. Ibsen's ghosts or cats in the cradle. <laughs> Yeah, or any stupid thing. And uh, he realizes he needs to show that he loves his family uh, and does so. And he, he realizes it by a couple of flashbacks where he sees a child version of himself and the kid keeps talking to him like he's his dad or yeah, something. Yeah, this happens at least twice. It takes Eddie Murphy forever to learn the most basic message, which is that you should spend time with your family. I mean, that's the part that actually does feel like a play. It feels like this weird, like, this, this, this old, like, early, like, Century play like gets like shoved into this goofy Eddie Murphy comedy. It's like where he's talking to himself as a child, but the child thinks it's his, his father. Yeah, it's like no, it's me. Do that thing we do, and then yeah. But you're my dad. That's not here. Uh, and in the end, I guess there's a. Lot, I mean, there's a lot of different individual wacky scenes. He's got to. He can't talk, and then he gets... Oh, and anything that happens a to the tree... A blind guy almost gets run over by a car. He can't tell a blind guy when it's time to cross the street, so the blind guy almost gets run over by a car. He overorders coffee. Yeah, $68 worth of coffee and He can't describe the coffee he wants to coffee seller Jack McBrayer. It's uh, a barista, I believe. Baristo. <laughs> he's a man. He's a barista. Oh, I thought he hadn't reached. We the actually level never of see him serve the coffee, so he's just a cashier. Actually, I think oh, a barista O would be if you were the barista, and a barista is when you refer to someone else. That's baristas. Okay. Anyway. Uh, and baristamos would be if we were all baristos. <laughs> Where do the baristas come into this? Uh, they get slaughtered later in the movie. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Uh, Mother Teresa. <laughs> 
it's, and, a, it's a word. The, the famous. <laughs> it's a word that sounds like another word. All right. Uh, hey, it's a good thing Elliot doesn't have one of those magic trees. Am I right? <laughs> I'd be D E A D dead. Uh, and there also whatever happens to the tree happens to him. It, my, they have a mental bond, much like E.T. and Elliot in the film Elliot. Uh, <laughs> I think, so hold on. If the tree gets I think hit, the fact he, that your name is Elliot may have given you a skewed version of E.T. the extraterrestrial. Uh, it's a magical Elliot. kid that flies around in uh, space. It's called special. Elliot, the kid who had an alien for a friend. It's called Elliot and Pals. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot's Funhouse. <laughs> it's told from the perspective of this extraterrestrial has, who has this really cool friend named Elliot. <laughs> yeah, he's the coolest guy. Guy who has a magic flying bike that the alien gets to ride in. Mm-hmm. They never explain how he got a magic flying bike, but it's probably because he's so awesome. <laughs> uh, fair enough. So anytime, anytime something happens, anyways, anytime something happens to the tree, it also happens to Eddie Murphy. So the tree gets hurt, he gets hurt. The tree gets gassed with pesticide. He gets loopy, like he's high. The tree gets tickled by squirrels. Gets tickled by squirrels, and he makes those movements that people do in movies when there's a squirrel in your pants. When really you'd be like, "Ah, oh, God, it hurts! <laughs> its claws are digging into my leg." But instead, it's it kind of tried to bury my testicles <laughs> for winter. Yeah. Oh, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> I thought it was just burying testicles for I don't know any any old occasion. Yeah. Um, and that scene is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Which scene? I named three scenes. <laughs> the scene where he is pretending like he's getting tickled by squirrels, and uh, f- and he does it in front of a couple of French guys. I'm sure the decision was made because French people are naturally hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of dances off screen, followed quickly by Clark Duke, who then dances after him. Now, Clark Duke plays his assistant. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Allison Janney plays Clark his boss. Duke type. Round-faced. <laughs> a round-faced nerd type. Yeah, who who hilariously gets to spout black slang. I mean, at a luncheon meeting with uh, with publishers from Simon and Schuster, who they're hoping to sell this book to. Well, that wasn't you know that wasn't his fault because Eddie Murphy did tell him to do what he would do. That's true. And so you see, he, he put on a stereotypical black voice. Yeah, a black. Yeah, out. I mean, he, he's seen through through the white eye, the it's, perception of mm-hmm. this dopey nerd. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) It would be very different if Michael Clark Duncan had played that part. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so... uh, So So, when at the end, Eddie Murphy, uh, he uses his words sparingly to then through actions express his love for his family, uh, the barista... And his mother. And then... uh, There's that scene where he throws baguettes at homeless people. (laughs) Yeah. He thinks that good deeds are going to save him, so he starts throwing baguettes at homeless people and donating money to a church. That doesn't work. Uh, And he goes to his father's grave. He has three leaves left, and he says, I forgive you, to his father's grave, and dies. And then it rains, and he comes back to life. And everyone's happy. Do we know he dies? I thought he just fell down. He fell down and went, ah! That was the old uh, him dying. Like it, yeah. it was a spiritual like a rebirth. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a re- He's reborn now. He's a reborn Christian, born again. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I, I have to assume. Part. Yeah. The church is a very important part of the African-American community. But he spent so much time hugging that uh, that new age Oh, he's kind of new. And, and at guy. the end, he is no longer a literary agent because he lost his job. But he's written a book about his experience. And it's the story we just heard. A Thousand Words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he buys the house that his wife wanted to buy. So it's like uh, I Know Who Killed Me, right? Where, no. <laughs> where at like the end, s- that character has just written the story. That was the just... alternate ending. Oh, okay. And also, it's no, he, they're not saying that the movie didn't exist and it was all his book. Okay. So he so wrote a book about suspects? his experiences. <laughs> no, it's not Usual Suspects. I would like to see, like... A list of all the movies that use that device where at the end, like, oh, look, the hero has written a book 
about the thing we just saw. Well, there's a thousand words. There's, there's what? Dream, death, dream house. Dream house. Death trap. So, listeners, you can give Dan that thing so we don't <laughs> yeah, have to list them all. <laughs> okay. If a listener wants to go through and come up with a list of movies where they do that, then you will win what, Dan? Uh, my undying admiration. Okay. Or if Dan actually I mean, I does it on his point, own so. instead of just mentioning it. Because, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't take that. Well, it'd, it'd take probably some take research, a while. Yeah. I'll, after I die, Back though, to I'll, the future? I'll bequeath my uh, admiration kind of? to Stuart. Back to the future oh, kind of wow. has that? Yeah. That's Wait, true. You're bequeathing your admiration to Stuart? Mm-hmm. Does that mean Stuart then admires the person or that you admire Stuart? No, no. I'm, that's a big to responsibility. Take on the admiration of the person. Now, I'm that. just going to say, based on the way you guys live, Stuart may die before you. Yeah. He's both healthier and drinkier. That's true. That's true. I mean, he, and he, he lives he on works the edge. such erratic hours. He also lives like there's no tomorrow, whereas you live like there's always too many tomorrows. Oh, man. I am thinking 12 steps ahead in my worrying about things. Yeah, whereas Stuart's like, I walk the hey, edge. look, I'm naked <laughs> on top of a boat. I don't care. <laughs> it's a lightning storm. Like on top of a boat? <laughs> yeah, like in the crow's nest. <laughs> okay. I also have courage in my convictions, <laughs> unlike... Wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> Are you accusing Dan of moral cowardice? <laughs> this got weird. <laughs> Let me just say one thing about A Thousand Words, and then a couple more things, and then some more things after that. Sure. Okay. I, there was a point in the middle of this movie where I was like, you know what? I want to like this movie, because I was under the impression it was a kid's film, but mm-hmm. it's not. There's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of there's a lot of sex jokes or a fair number of sex jokes for a kids movie. It's not a kids movie. And you uh, know, I mean, we're, we we defend kids movies around here, right? Yeah, sometimes, but also there's a certain type of movie that Hollywood used to make that are like adult fantasies, and I don't mean like you know Caligula, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or like they still you make know, those movies, not like Red Shoe Diaries. To the internet mostly. <laughs> no, I mean, like a they mo- don't have as much story though. No, yeah. but a movie like. Angel on My Shoulder or Death Takes a Holiday where there's some kind of supernatural fantasy element, but it's not for kids. It's for adults. And it feels like Groundhog Day was the last really great version of that. And this, it looks like even more, they were trying to remake, they're trying to make a movie like Liar Liar, but also make a movie like Groundhog Day that was for adults, but had that kind of like old fashioned morality or fantasy aspect and they totally failed on every level but there's part of me that wants to say to hollywood like keep trying like i like those types of movies i didn't like this because it was very bad but i do like movies where it's like magic you know almost magical realism for film you know yeah like weird science (laughs) this movie (laughs) thank you for thanks for taking that i was trying to make a good a serious point this movie's also like weirdly serious like it it's you know it's got the stupid uh scenes where someone's watering the tree and all of a sudden sweat's dripping from uh, uh, Eddie Murphy's face. But then it has all the scenes where he visits his mom, played by Ruby Dee, who's acting the hell out of this... Who's a very uh, great actress, yeah. You know, like this elderly, uh, you know, Woman. Alzheimer's-afflicted lady. And there are these scenes with, like, her and Eddie Murphy that, like, in a better movie would actually be affecting. Like, yeah. like and he's the, saying goodbye to his, his mom. And, it, the yeah. mes- and the message of the movie is... This man was abandoned by his father as a kid. Now he doesn't understand what it's like to be a father, and he has to learn that. He has to break the cycle. Exactly, which is like a powerful theme for a good movie that's not stupid and you know doesn't have a bunch of stupid crap and in it, it. It doesn't feel like it totally meshes with the idea that this guy has a magic tree in his backyard <laughs> that is dying because he talks too much. Well, yeah, well, that's what his, we talked about. Like he, he, yeah, he, his like, problem is not that he's talking too much. Yeah. His problem is that he is not... He's, not, I guess, not communicating effectively. So I, I guess the lesson is he has to choose his words wisely. Yeah. But 
the things he's doing during the movie don't impact that. But they also, that doesn't do necessarily that. connect up with the fact that he was abandoned as a child. That's true, yeah. You know, and, and has all this anger towards his father. And what happens at the end is he lets go of that anger, and then the tree reblooms. And, well, okay, I don't think that that has anything to do with him talking with, a lot. With words, yeah, or trees. And after after the resolution, I mean, he's he's hugging people, and people seem happier but he doesn't seem that different. Really. No, he, he's like he still talks a shitload and. Well, but that that plays to the other those, problem with this movie jokes. is like he didn't seem like such a bad guy at the beginning of the movie. I well, mean, the fact like, that he goes, he's like he he lands this big sale with the sage, and instead of being like drinks are on me, he calls his assistant, and says cancel all my calls, uh, cancel all my appointments. I want to go visit my mom and tell her about this thing I did. She's gonna be really proud of me, and like goes and visits his Alzheimer's ridden mom in at the nursing home. Like that's not a selfish thing to do. Yeah. Even if his motive is because I want to brag to her about this thing I did, like in theory, it would give her pleasure to know her son is doing well. well I mean, like, it's I don't clear know why. that he, like, I mean, the movie makes it clear that he visits her a lot. You know, he's bringing her flowers. Like, it, yeah, it seems like a nice, like, let's and- set up what a selfish, thoughtless guy this is by having him visit his mom in a nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> and this, his relationship doesn't seem that bad. Pre the tree, like the tree seems to be causing most yeah. of the problems in his relationship. The big problem in the relationship beforehand is that he doesn't want to move, and his wife wants to buy a new house, which is the kind of thing all relationships go through. Like yeah. the fact, but and then that tree comes in and it fucks everything up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the tree's in, a real dick, is what we're saying. In, I guess it's kind of like in the, the tree's defense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this your guy, objection, your honor. This guy is, if anything, very bad at prioritizing how he's using his words That's because. True. His, well, most wa- people- his wife is like, just say something to me, and he won't. He won't say anything. But as soon as the, anything happens around the tree, he'll start cursing it out, and then he'll complain with the tree that it didn't, I don't know. Yeah. But he could talk to her fine before the tree came up. Yeah. It's almost like the old book, uh, it, could, it could be worse, whatever it's called, where the guy, it's a, this is a, the kind of like old Jewish folktale or old Eastern European folktale that they turn into children's books. But I remember being as a kid where this guy complains that his house is too small. So the rabbi tells him, bring all your kids into one room. Okay. Now bring all the animals from your barn into the house. Now bring your, the, all your shit into your house. And it's so crowded. And he goes, now remove everything from your house. And they take it all out. And it's like, oh, now our house feels really big. Well, I guess it could always get worse. Yeah. It's like, what a terrible lesson. So this seems to be like, your marriage is okay, but not great. You know what? If you couldn't talk, it would be even worse. So be happy that you've got this marriage. But also, like this seems like a classic, uh, like screenwriting, like screw up. Like I feel like this, this is the sort of thing that probably happened when this movie was made. Was like there's a first draft where he actually was a deeply flawed person. The beginning yeah. was like, was like, we don't like this character. Make him nicer. And yeah. then like, so it turned from a, a redemption story into a story about like a nice guy who uh, had a few tree problems. Who's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> afflicted with this horrible tree. <laughs> yeah. It kind of is a horror movie. It's a lighthearted <laughs> horror movie about an evil tree the, that forces you to learn things about yourself. And I think the movie spends a little bit too much time focusing on how after he discovers that if you know he's afflicted with this death-causing tree he spends way too much time trying to save his fucking job yeah. like i don't know about you guys my my career is not the first thing on my mind if i was sl- slowly dying of leaf itis it's or totally something. the first thing on my mind oh, okay. i'd be like 
I need to finish this assignment before I die. Yeah. Then if I have time to smooth, to, if I have time to fit it in, I'll tell my wife I love her. But first, I got to do this job. There's a book I wanted to finish. Uh, you know what? I've never wa- really walked the ramble in Central Park. I guess I'll do that. Yeah, you might as well. Also, uh, hey, over there, I, I wanted to see that movie. I guess I'll go see that too. I'll get to oh, my life eventually. Oh, yeah, Dark Shadows. Uh, I got mixed I heard reviews. That was, but... <laughs> I heard that was okay. I might check that. <laughs> you know what? I got I got a couple hours. Before I die, you could start your spoken word career. <laughs> I right. have to then. Yeah, I'll. I'll he only pra- released one album. Then he died. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a very good album either. Nine hundred and ninety-nine words long. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, his he, and that could be part of the message that the, his family is more important than his job. But like, it's just so the movie is kind of so loose and messy that it does not. It's just not, and none of those scenes are very funny. Like it, if the scenes were funny, it would be a different story. So, do you think the tree, the magic tree at the end, is still magic and still sheds leaves when he talks? I think it's just a tree at the end. Oh, okay. Well, they they didn't tell. They didn't at that say point, that. the tree just probably sheds its leaves in the fall, like other trees. Yeah, but do you think that every fall he starts freaking out? Probably, yeah. I, mean, I would <laughs> forever. Yeah. So it really was a mistake for him to dig up that tree and, put, and bring it to his new home. Better than if he left it at the old house and the new owners were like, cut that tree down. And oh, they yeah. started cutting it and his legs just suddenly <laughs> split open and blood was pouring out. Uh, he still has a mystic bond that, that was a that post-credits. Uh, Shattered legs. Yeah. Post-credits. And then wolves attack him. A woodpecker starts knocking on the tree and suddenly a hole in his head opens and his brains are spilling out. <laughs> it's called Murder Tree. <laughs> tree Man. Man tree. Someone puts a swing swing on that tree. All of a sudden, he has this tiny little child swinging from his arm. <laughs> Amazing. It's a little too literal, Dan. Yeah. A little too literal. <laughs> no. So wait, does the child exist in two places at once? <laughs> it's a homunculus version of that child. No, they brought they brought into existence another version of that child. Oh man, but where's the matter come from? Yeah, exactly. It can neither be created nor destroyed. You're right. Answer that, Dan. <laughs> it's fashion out of this clay. magic tree scenario. Doesn't make magic look, 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 animating hey, it. Hey, look, I'm not the one who's arguing with you. Einstein's the one who's arguing with you. Okay. Well, Maybe I'm going to dig up Einstein and give him a piece of my mind. Einstein Brothers Bagels? <laughs> yep. Einstein Brothers Bagels says you can neither, bagels can be neither created nor destroyed. <laughs> they can only be transformed they, into feces. They exist in a perpetual hey, cycle. <laughs> speaking of feces, I believe we came up with a better version of this movie yeah. that was called... Uh, a Thousand Turds. A thousand I'm you made Dan say the I'm not going to say it. A Thousand Turds. I am going to say it. A movie about a man who discovers that he only has a thousand poops left and what what's interesting so about this, this is that this after magazine, a thousand bitch, poops right? he'll die what's interesting about this is that a thousand words it turns out is not very many words but a thousand turds is quite a lot of turds uh, i have to go to the bathroom so bad like I, I gotta hold it in as long as possible so i get to my family i love them in the form of poop oh man so yeah so sometimes hoping- i think you love pooping more than you love me <laughs> no that's not true i gotta go so you're hoping that a high-powered agent from like Mad Magazine or Cracked or something <laughs> listening and will yeah and will buy this idea from us. I mean now Cracked is mostly uh, semi-educational top ten lists. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, well, the, and it's just like my my version of Thinner Pooper, <laughs> where the guy just has to go to the bathroom a lot. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. he hit a, a gypsy with a uh, a porta potty. That's <laughs> uh, uh, like a, in a jackass style stunt. Yeah, exactly. Was he, dri- he was driving a porta potty. <laughs> yeah, he had to go. It's part of the wacky races or something now. <laughs> it's part of the wacky racers. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't like this is a tough one. I think people would be a lot less concerned about the uh, the the gypsy curse and more concerned about the wacky <laughs> racing. Yeah, <laughs> that there's a shark driving a car. Yeah, I think so. Why, why is this a difficult one, Dan? I just I just think that there's not much to say about this movie because it is exact. It is almost exactly what you think it would be, other than what you said about it not being like a, not being a, a kids movie. I mean, like they film. the uh, they say like the first time they said shit, I was like. Wait, what? I thought this was a family movie, but it's not. There's that whole. It's like the first time you're watching scene. the Transformers cartoon movie and you hear uh, that Spike or whatever say shit. And, and I was like, like, "What?" I'm like, oh my god, shit just got real. I was like, oh my god, this is not for this kids anymore. Serious. <laughs> Biff, bam, pow. Comics are not just for kids anymore. <laughs> I mean, the thing that's most surprising to me about this movie is like the degree to which. They don't try that hard to be a comedy. I mean, like... I don't know. They're trying pretty hard at times. I, I they give like Eddie Murphy a lot the, of excuses to, like, mug and do, like, physical Yeah, there's that. And then, like, Clark Duke is, like, 100% just there for comic relief. But yeah. it, it feels like that's all awkwardly kind of grafted onto a drama. What? You don't see Clark Duke's character as a reflection of the Eddie Murphy that he was? Well, I mean, that's his that's his script uh, purpose. <laughs> oh, okay. But that's the thing. Like, this would have been a more successful movie probably as a silly drama, or a light drama rather, than as a goofy comedy that tries for seriousness at times. And, like, and that's how I feel in a lot of ways about Groundhog Day, where it's like, there are, the jokes in that are mainly Bill Murray's comments, Right. But otherwise, the movie is not playing it like bing boing, do 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 boo, wah 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 wah. And I feel like there's a lot of that <laughs> here, where it's like, let's come up with another big comedy set piece so that Eddie Murphy can like move let's have around. Something and stuff. wacky happened to the tree, exactly, and it results in Eddie Murphy in- acting weird. Instead of humor coming from the character's reaction to the situation, it comes from like these the or these four situations. This blind man's walking into the street, and now there's cars coming everywhere, you know, all over the place. I just had this horrible vision of, like, the tree being fed into a wood chipper, and then all of a sudden, like, Eddie Murphy just, like, slowly disappearing <laughs> into a cloud of red dust. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be so embarrassing yeah, if that happened during, dust? like, a, that would during, be, like an important meeting. You're right, Dan. That would be gross. <laughs> this is also one of those movies where... <laughs> I will, two more things I want to say about Look, this movie. things happen in my brain, and I need to talk about them. <laughs> so it's like, sure. when, it's like when Agent... It's called Chris, basic communication, I guess, at that point. When Chris Monsanto punches a guy in Eagle Heart, and he just explodes in the cloud <laughs> yeah. of blood. Uh, two things I want to say about this movie, if I remember them. Do you? I did a second ago, and then you started mentioning wood chippers. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, uh, and now uh, all you think about is how I need to buy new wood chippers. Oh, oh, here I'm, one of those. This is a movie where it's yard work. This is a movie where characters don't seem to communicate like real people. Mm-hmm. Like if someone walks up to you and he's like, uh, uh, and like waving their hands wildly, you'd be like, "What is it? What's wrong?" Instead of being like, "Are you trying to tell me you don't want to buy a new house?" <laughs> Even though we talked about this, oh, oh, you won't even speak to me because you're that angry with me? Well, forget it. Like, in real life, you'd be like, what's the problem? I don't understand. Yeah. Trying to communicate with me in some way. You seem like you're really upset. I've noticed that my husband hasn't said any words to me in, in a couple of days. This may be more serious than that he doesn't want to move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He and, might have a magic tree tied to his soul. Yeah, and the, that's what I would guess. And the other thing, and also, he never attempts to tell his wife what the problem is. He tells his assistant at work before he tells his wife, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's indicative of his problems. But yeah, eventually, he, he, t- he tells her, but he in does stu- it in a really half-hearted, stupid way. He does yeah. it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he's really doing it so he can have that uh, S and M style dominatrix sex that he was mm, promised. He was angling for. The other thing is that this is the kind of movie where most of the characters react in like the most old-fashioned way to like they they meet up with a 
they're having lunch with these two guys from Simon & Schuster, business suits, mm-hmm. your basic middle-aged stuffy, white guys. Yeah. Very stuffy. And his assistant is like, hey, man, hey, bro, so sit down. Because Eddie Murphy said, talk like you're me. You do the talking. And his assistant is talking like street slang. And every time the other guys at the table are like, oh, oh, well, I never. Like they might as well have been dowagers with opera glasses, you yeah. know, and jewels on their wrists. Just being like, oh, this is not the way we talk at a business meeting when in the year – 2008 2009 when this was shot like i i think feel like everyone talks like that all the time now as a joke like yeah. even if they, they'd be like all right we're cool we get it homie now let's talk about this business deal like it would not be they wouldn't be like oh well i never i think you're rewriting the scene as we speak i basically yeah um i also find it hilarious to do a movie where they're trying to land a big book deal when uh the publishing industry cannot afford to pay for books like uh, to manufacture them? Yeah, or? I mean, to buy you, them. Do books that, don't sell very well. Do you feel that this script is written about a like a literary agent, like a kind of an asshole literary agent, because the writer was like fucking literary agents? It's possible. It's also one of those jobs where you don't really need to know that much about what the job entails, like being an architect or an art gallery owner. Yeah. Or like, so like, or a char- working in a magazine if you're a woman in a romantic comedy. Yeah, so the character can just go in and be like, "We've got to put this deal together," mm-hmm. and then the other guy go, "We'll give you two hundred thousand dollars, not enough for the deal." <laughs> okay, we'll call back later, <laughs> and like that's his whole job. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's a, that's an easy way to measure success on whether or not you get the deal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think that's all we can say about this. You're shutting it down. I'm shutting wow, it down. You're so tired of a thousand words. I am. Uh, Damn, people worked on this movie. I don't think they so. Pay, they spent $40 million to make this movie. That sounds Really? Wrong. That's exactly how much it cost, according to Wikipedia. That's just Did, that was production. Just the that's botanist. not that's $30 not million of that go to Eddie Murphy? I think $35 million of it was locked into a chest in gold and thrown <laughs> in the bottom of the ocean as a gift to Poseidon <laughs> so that they could have a successful film. And the other that explains five, the wonderful weather. And the other they should five, have put more money. They should have given Poseidon more money. That then. leaves $5 million left. $3 million of that was just shoveled into a fire. Sure. <laughs> just because they could. The remaining $2 million went to Eddie Murphy. Okay. Uh, no, this is uh, it's time for final judgments on this movie. Was this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked? Elliot. I'm going to say it's a bad, bad movie, but I liked the genre it was in. (laughs) (laughs) I want Hollywood to make more of this type of movie until they get it right, basically. Like a light fantasy drama. But this was a bad movie. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, wait, wait, where are you going to go? I don't care. (laughs) Then I'll go. It was a bad, bad movie. Uh, There were two characters I liked. I liked moments of Clark Duke's performance. Only small moments. And I really like the guy who sold Eddie Murphy his ice cream on <laughs> the boardwalk. There's, at the very end, for God knows what reason, Eddie Murphy has decided to walk along the Santa Monica boardwalk. So and he gets a giant sundae. He gets a big, he gets by a big sundae. Stuart, you want to do your impression of the guy who sells him yeah, the sundae? Yeah, and the guy leans out the window while Eddie Murphy's eyeballing this giant sundae. And he's like, <laughs> hey, enjoy. Hey, have a bite. <laughs> <laughs> it is the creepy, like, it is like a serial killer character from another movie suddenly showed up for Seems a second. Like big break, big break. <laughs> Gotta sell it. I want to make the movie about that character now uh-huh. and just have audiences know that he interacted with Eddie Murphy in A Thousand Words. Hey, have a bite of that. You'll never guess what the secret ingredient is. <laughs> it's love. Oh, that's much nicer than what I thought. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a bad movie, but I can't. 
I kind of can't hate it. Like for a movie that sat on the shelf for so long, I expected it to be much worse than this. Yeah. And what I got was just like I am like the basic uh, mannequin <laughs> of a man. This is like the basic, uh, just like unpainted mannequin of this story. You know. So you're saying this is like yeah. the uh, this is the model kit you would mm-hmm. buy at. That you're supposed to paint, and they just never painted it. Yeah, yeah. You didn't even dis- you didn't even like disconnect the plastic pieces from each other. The sprues. Yeah. yeah. What are they called? Sprues. Sprues. The plastic frames that plastic model kits come on. Oh, mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, this has been the model this cast. Model cast. <laughs> we talk about supermodels and model cars, and uh, and of course uh, Howard Hughes' enormous plane, the Sprues Goose, <laughs> which was made entirely out of those plastic frames. But yeah, you're right. It's a. This is kind of like. A, like a basic, not, no one tried very hard movie. So Eddie Murphy tr- looks like he's trying very hard, but not so. doing some inter- internet over there, Dan? Uh, I'm just uh, trying to get uh, our mailbag open. Why well, the Flophouse mailbag? You know what would buy you time to look up the letters on your iPad? A bit of a song, Maestro. <laughs> Flophouse letters. We're gonna read a few. Flophouse letters. They sent from you. Flophouse letters. Send them along. Flophouse letters, and we'll sing you this song. Flophouse letters. <laughs> Flophouse letters. Time for some Flophouse letters tonight. tonight. Perfect pitch. So, uh, wait, was I? Was I? Yeah, both of us. Yeah, perfect pitch. First off, I want to thank some donors. uh, Thank some donuts. (laughs) Thank some. (laughs) You were delicious. (laughs) Sorry about your families, (laughs) which I also ate. (laughs) Thank some donors. Uh, We have Dimitri T. Um, Thanks, Dimitri. Thank you, Dimitri. Sorry, I'm scrolling through some. We have a. uh, Asley B. Thanks, Asley. Um, we also have uh, from uh, a don- donation from Jeffrey I. Hey, thanks, Jeffrey. Uh, thank, uh, thank them. We did. <laughs> yeah, I just did that. Thanks, and, all of you guys again. Uh, Your money helps us keep Dan alive. As you can tell, he's <laughs> barely making it through. <laughs> thank you, Michael C. Thanks, Michael. And lastly, thanks, Remy. M. Thanks, Remy. Hey, Remy. Thanks. For a lot donation. of donate. A lot of donors. Thanks, well, I, I was saving up some because uh, I honestly because I kept forgetting. But uh, <laughs> your uh, your money helps us buy the valuable coffee that keeps Dan from falling asleep while he's talking. <laughs> it's not working that well right now. But um, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> So uh, a thousand Z. I think I that just saw Dan, Dan delete McCormick. an email while on the air. <laughs> mm, archive. Let's, let's just put that <laughs> in a different folder. In trash. <laughs> so Dan, you ready with these letters? Or should I sing another song? Sorry. So uh, what's been going on, Elliot? Oh uh, well, I'm going to the UK in a couple weeks. Uh, okay, oh, old Blighty. Uh, yeah, I guess you could call it that. Uh, we're gonna Across hike. the pond. My wife and I are going to hike through Scotland and then okay. visit a couple towns in England. Okay, should be a lot of fun. Doing doing some shopping? Uh, not probably not, but eating crisps. You know it. I'm gonna um, eat as much fried food and meat in pie form as I can. Okay. All right. So this letter is talking titled, about my vacation, Dan. Back, back to the letters. <laughs> this letter is titled "The Zoolander Letters. Zone. Let's return no, to no. those letters. Time for those letters. I promised you earlier. Here they come, right out of Dan's mouth, but originally from your pen. This letters. <laughs> letters. This letter, this letter is titled uh, The Zoolander Zone. It's from Colin, last name withheld. Hey, he Colin. Says, 
Greetings, handsome Dan and the Floppers. Whoa, 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 whoa. I recently... Creative editing on the part of the reader. Sure. I recently rewatched a favorite from my formidable tween years. I don't know that they were formidable. Maybe formative. Well, I don't know. Maybe, burn, he's, I guess? maybe he's like a prodigy or something. Yeah. Uh, my formidable tween years, Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, only to discover that it is now slash was always horrible. No amount of Vern Troyer-related humor or penis-shaped satellite innuendos can salvage it. There's now a class of movies... Man, that makes me feel old. He was a tween then? I was a teen. Yeah. There's now a class of movies I loved growing up, which yeah. I'm terrified to ever watch again, worried that I'll just ruin the wonderful memories I have. I've dubbed this, I've dubbed this The Zoolander Zone, named after the movie I most loved growing up, and thus am most afraid to watch ever again. Huh. Other entries Zone? include the Stiller Apatow... <laughs> yeah, Zona, <laughs> the Tarkovsky film. <laughs> Other entries include the Stiller Apatow Feig Fat Camp Masterpiece Heavyweights and Steve Barron's magnum opus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Still good. Can you guys think of any mu- movies from your youth that fell into this trap? Or if not, can you at least soothe the fat bastard-sized hole in my heart with some ribald quips? P.S. Free David Kalen. <laughs> He's not in prison. <laughs> He's just always get telling yep. us sports stuff. Yeah, free David Kalen. <laughs> so you, I was, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, I was talking about uh, Top Secret, the Zucker Brothers movie, and uh-huh. it's with wa- Valiant Kilmer. Yeah, watching it now, it just it like maybe it's because it's been all the all the jokes have been done by everyone else at this point now. Like it's been copied so many times, it just mm-hmm. doesn't have the impact that it used to. Or maybe I was just younger and thought it was funnier. Well, no, that's true. I, I kind of I haven't seen the Naked Gun movies in a long time, and I loved those as a kid. And I and it might be the same thing. I might be like, ugh, this is not so great. I mean, a lot a number of Mel Brooks's not as good movies fall into. I mean, like when I was in middle school, Spaceballs was the funniest movie in the world, and I cannot watch Still it. Still is. Now. I think it has that title. <laughs> I don't think so. But there, I mean, you can't be afraid to look at your, the movies of your past and look at them with your adult eyes and say, hey, thank you for the joy you gave me as a child. I don't have to watch you ever again, uh, and I can come to terms with your not being good for adults, but good for kids. Like yeah. summer school or ski school? Any, any movie with school in the title. I mean, there are movies that... I enjoyed as a kid that, like, it's more likely that I will have irrational affection for something that isn't that good, you know, objectively, Mm. you know, that I'll still enjoy watching it because of the time that I... I mean, there's, I guess, it's that's, I don't know, like, Teen Wolf maybe is like that for me. Like, it was one one of my sister's favorite movies, and we watched it all the time as a kid, and my wife had never seen it, and it was on TV, so we started watching it, and I was like, she was like, do we have to keep watching this? It's like, this is not a very good movie at all. No. That, well, I mean, that's it's, but it was we, never it's weirdly good. slow, that movie. It's incredibly slow. For a movie about a teenager who becomes a basketball-playing wolf, it is very slow. <laughs> I mean, he looks more like a basketball-playing teddy bear man. But... <laughs> he looks like a basketball-playing Greek guy. He's just very hairy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I screened, uh, you know, I, I have a horror movie. Not you horror. screamed. <laughs> Uh, uh, every Halloween, I show either you mean Halloween. <laughs> oh man, the Crypt Keeper showed up. Either hello, Flophouse goons. <laughs> I screen either. <laughs> I'm here to Wait. guest ghost on your pod corpse. Goons. <laughs> Is goons a pun on something? No. <laughs> okay. Then I said ghost on your pod corpse, so I made up for it with two morgue puns. That was another one. Instead of more, I said morgue. 
Wow. Abracadabra. Wow, he's Wait, really showing the puppeteer strings pulling, here. <laughs> he's pulling words out for no reason. I mean, like, abracadabra doesn't even fit into the conversation we were having. Sure it does. <laughs> sure it John Doe's. Um, I guess uh, yeah, I mean, a corpse is called a John Doe if it's not. Got a ghost. Oh, see you later. <laughs> see you later, corpsey. Crypty. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> See you later, Keepsy. <laughs> well, I was gonna say. See you later, like, CK. <laughs> every every Halloween, I show uh, horror movies or movies that are you know Halloween related in some way, and I double uh, you know I double them up. I have like a, a movie that I like and a movie that they're just making fun dumb. of. Yeah. And uh, one year for the movie I liked. I showed the Monster Squad, and I could see the people in the audience who had not seen the Monster Squad when they were a child, uh, kind of baffled by by my affection for it. But uh, but that that's a case where it just persisted rather than I was able to let it go. Yeah, I mean, there are also, also movies that you genuinely outgrow, like the Star Wars movies, for instance. I still have an affection for, but I don't get the same enjoyment out of them that I once did. You know. So, uh, whereas war games, I could watch over and over again. Little like monsters with Howie Mandel and Fred Savage always gets better. <laughs> yeah, always. There's so many layers like to that one. Because uh, onions have layers. <laughs> it's like a layer cake. Yeah, is from. It tastes like onions. <laughs> David, last name withheld. Is Elliot's it, brother. Is this oh, my dude. brother? Huh, David Kale? Is that? Oh, oh my God. What's what? Okay, this was he says, correcting uh, us about this? Let's time? get our Maras and our Omaras straight, fellas. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> First of all, I would like to nip in the bud. Any suggestion by Stuart? Did he Stuart? say nip in the butt? <laughs> nip in the bud. Okay, because nip in the bud is the phrase. Any suggestion by Stuart that I might be writing you all just to get attention, <laughs> since I was actually invited to correct you this time. Wrong. With that out of the way, however, that I'm sorry. That was a sorry. courtesy invitation, not meant to be taken up. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to <laughs> inform you. To be denied you. three times, as custom allows. <laughs> That Jason Mara is not related to Rooney Mara because Jason Mara is, in fact, not his name. The actor from Terra Nova and Life on Mars is actually Jason O'Mara. While Omar is not related to the Mara family in any way that I can see, he is Irish. And you are the master genealogist. Which I suppose could lead to a connection since Rooney and Kate Mara's grandfather, Dan Rooney, is currently the ambassador to Ireland. And the Rooney family did immigrate from down country Ireland in the 19th century. That connection, however, <laughs> is prob- he- <laughs> probably a bit of a stretch. I hope this clears this up for you. No. You can all now <laughs> commit to your mockery. Oh, wow. So, like, the, the great the, the, the curtain that hides the wheel of the universe that shows how everything fits into place has been been pulled back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope the Mara family is paying him as the family genealogist. <laughs> Uh, so that was, How's your brother's beard doing? Uh, he shaved it because the devil's lost the Stanley Cup. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And because he looked like a Jewish mountain man. <laughs> if a rabbi went into the woods to fight bears, he could come back looking like my brother. So so his beard was was uh, was going to help them win, I guess? Yes. There's but a, then his beard failed. Well, it, So it, he punished it by shaving it. <laughs> yes. It turned out he had he could only say the words that were in the number of hairs he had in his beard. Oh. Every time he said a word, a beard hair fell out. It got very patchy by the end. And when he lost all of his beard hair... He stopped looking like a crazy person. <laughs> that was his curse. Crazy. But yeah, the mystical link between his facial hair and the devil's did not did not win out. So this letter is titled Dear Flip House. <laughs> what? Mm. I believe you've sent your letter to the wrong place, <laughs> madam <laughs> or sir. I Hey guys, I know you're super busy with this week with Trepeze Fest. Are you trying Fest. to flip a house on us? <laughs> 
Hey guys, I know you're super busy this week with Trapeze Fest, but I just wanted to drop you a quick, quick line and say how much I've loved the last episode. When Drew and Stan went off that riff about the 5th century Minoan pottery depicting the man doing a handstand on the back of a bull, I laughed harder than I'd ever laughed before. And the addition of the flip house flying squirrel is amazing. <laughs> Drew sounds just like one. There are a ton of acrobatics-themed podcasts out there, but only one has the powerhouse, forgive the pun, team of Drew, Stan, and Wyatt. <laughs> Flip house forever. Yours in perpetuity, Harrison Garbage. So Harrison that, Garbage? Oh, <laughs> the heir to the garbage fortune. <laughs> wow. He must be famous. Clearly was a misdirected email. That seems to have fallen through a hole from an alternate universe. <laughs> Once again, our uh, the guy organizing our mailbag has dropped the ball. Yeah, or the bag, as it were. Oh, we don't receive our mail in a ball? <laughs> no, unlike everyone else in the universe, <laughs> we also don't don't take our mail in a ball. So, this, uh, it is not thr- hurled through our windows, wrapped in a ball. This last letter uh, is from David, last name withheld, this Elliot's not, brother. Is it seriously my brother again? Oh my god. And uh, he says... <laughs> How can he write letters when we haven't even had episodes from respond to I it? missed about four minutes of the live event of Quiet Cool Friday, so perhaps you guys pointed this out and I just wasn't there, or oh, maybe I didn't hear you. God above. <laughs> But during the film, there was something that bothered me about the actor playing inept lawman Mike Pryor in the town of Babylon. I mean, inept, I think, is is unfair criticism. (laughs) He's corrupt. (laughs) He's very good at being corrupt. Mostly in that he looked very familiar, and I couldn't peg why. This morning it hit me, and I realized that Jared Martin, the man who played Pryor, also played the role of Frank Hillhurst in the 1994 Academy Award winner for Best Picture, Twin Sitters. (laughs) That was robbed. Does this make Jared Martin the only person to appear in two Flophouse live event feature films? Or, perhaps more, more importantly, does it make him the greatest actor of our time? <laughs> After all, he was in an episode of Silk Stockings, according to IMDb, and you just can't buy a juicy role like that. P.S. I know you're wondering why I haven't said anything about sports yet, so if you're looking for a no. tie-in, which <laughs> no. I know you are, no. Martin was also in the 1980 TV movie Willow B. Women in Prison in the role of Dave Tyree, which is also the same name as David Tyree, whose famous catch against his helmet in Super Bowl... <laughs> XLII, I. A hundred thousand and one. Okay. <laughs> Super Bowl, hundred thousand and one. Helped lead the Giants to victory. You're welcome. There was so. that was a pretty far stretch for sports, but I do appreciate his pointing out something that Stewart actually texted me and Dan uh, recently. Yeah. That that sheriff was the uncle in Twin Sitters. Mm-hmm. Now so the un- so he, the guy who went into protection or dad. Was he their dad? No, he was. He was their. He was their uncle. Their uncle. Yeah, he's the guy who went into witness protection because he was going to turn. He was going to turn state's evidence on George Lazenby. It's just weird that after the events of that movie, he went on to be become a corrupt sheriff in well, Northern he, California. He realized that that's well, crime pays crime more. Pays, yeah, and also the twin sitters, I assume, ate his children. <laughs> <laughs> and so he needed to get away from uh, Southern California, where he had all those bad memories. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Ellie just spilled some water on my table, and so I went and I got him a paper towel. And then once I gave him the paper towel, he looked at me like it was the craziest thing in the world, and he had nothing, no idea what to do with that towel. Physical comedy always works I guess works you can, you can edit that out, yeah. <laughs> that explanation. I just, I just thought it was strange that, like, it seemed very clear to me why I might be handing you something uh, like that, and you just... Uh, so movie pictures. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so film movies. Uh, Flophouse live event. It was great. Thanks, David, for uh, 
reminding us to tell people about that, that there's a hidden connection between Twin Sitters and Quiet Cool. Can you find it? I hope you can, since we just told you what it was. And I think this is the first one I've done since we did the uh, the live event. So thanks, everybody, for coming out. Uh, yeah, thank yeah. you very much for coming out, everybody. And I want to mention that... Uh, in in violation of 92Y Tribeca policy, but um, in in accordance with uh, good uh, internet policy, uh, <laughs> someone uh, filmed our bits in between the uh, yeah. You're going to keep them anonymous. The right? live so, show. Yeah, so sure. I don't want to get them so prosecuted the by 92Y. Cops will come after them. 92Y Tribeca cops. But uh, if you go on the Flophouse uh, Facebook page, if you join the Flophouse Facebook group, you can see. Those hilarious bits. In case you missed it or in case you saw it and wanted to see it again, our three bits about uh, Quite Cool. They might not make a whole lot of sense to you if you haven't seen the movie Quite Cool, but the entire movie is up on YouTube. So what you should do is watch half of Quite Cool, pause it, watch the bits. You're going to want to pause it when they're trapped in the burning house. That's where we had intermission. Spoiler alert. That's where the intermission was. Yeah. I mean, officially the Flophouse is against uh, bootlegging. But unofficially, we're not going to take those off the internet. So yeah, that's ninety-two Y Tribeca's job. Yeah. Uh, so this is the part. And thank you to them for hosting us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the part where we recommend a movie, a movie that we liked. Are you guys going to recommend a thousand words? Because I was thinking I might. Um, uh, no, I think you're. I, mean, I think you're free and clear. Maybe for if we that. do it all at the same time. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just recommend a different movie. How okay. about that? Just to be safe. But then just that'll in case. be weird because then it'll just be me and Dan recommending it. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> We don't need to make yeah, this a so threesome start, story. So who's going first, Dan? No, you, you're oh, the boss. Uh, you're the boss, boss man. Yeah, I'll just I'll go. Why not? I mean, I'm sure I don't need to recommend this movie to anyone who's listening to the Flop House. I feel like it's squarely in the Flop House demographic. But last night, yeah. I rewatched uh, Starship Troopers with a friend. Oh, okay, and uh, a lady friend. The movie holds up. Um, <laughs> That's what I watch when I want to impress a lady friend. Starship Troopers. <laughs> Starship Troopers. <laughs> it's a movie, like, it's one of these movies. Nuke down that bug hole. <laughs> Speaking of uh, putting things down bug holes. It's one of a, a couple movies that I really uh, loved when I first saw that I feel like critical opinion is caught up with. Yeah, I'd like, say that. At the time, people, like, all these critics were responding to it on its surface level as, like, this weird endorsement of fascism when it's clearly a satire of of, of that and of, like, just rah-rah, like, action films in general. Um, and I had the same sort of experience when I really enjoyed uh, The Big Lebowski when it first came out. And, like, I remember a lot of people being like, what the fuck is this? Because it came out right after Fargo and people thought it was, like, this big step back. But uh, I like, and I was thinking, I was watching Starship Troopers last night, and I was thinking how it's weird that I usually hate CGI, but for some reason, the CGI bugs in that, even though, like, that was very early CGI, and, like, it's not like they look particularly real, like, I still like it in that movie, and I'm not quite sure why. I would say CGI has taken a huge step backwards since the you 90s. So? If you compare, like, for instance, Jurassic Park yeah. and the CGI in that to current CGI, it is has gotten cheaper and quicker to do yeah it feels like put less care into it yeah there's like an accept like an understanding of its limitations so they are careful about how they use it yeah like say fucking the expendables where they just use cgi for all the blood yeah all right but anyway starship troopers go see it if you haven't yep it's playing in a theater near (laughs) you many years ago by which we mean your house if you rent it (laughs) <laughs> if you can find a video rental place, which you can't. Or just get it on Netflix. Anyway. <laughs> or imagine it. Or read the book by Robert <laughs> Heinlein. 
But it's not gonna, going to, it won't have CGI bugs, probably. No, it probably Unless not. Unless you use your imagination. So my those two. imagination like a in your is a movie in your brain. <laughs> a movie in your brain. Your brain movie, otherwise known as a brewie. Unless you have a terrible imagination, in which case that movie sucks. So, Elliot. It's called Sucker Punch, then. <laughs> what do you want to recommend? I would like to recommend a new film that's in theaters now. Uh, and so, is, not Starship Troopers. So, not Starship Troopers. Okay. Uh, I'd like to recommend a movie I saw on Friday uh, and didn't know that Dan was going to the exact same screening of it <laughs> until he walked into the theater. Uh, but that movie is... Did he look at you uncomfortably and then sit as far from you as possible? Yeah, but that's just because I knew that Dan was going to masturbate during the film. <laughs> so I was glad he was sitting that far sure. away. Uh, but that is Wes Anderson's new movie, Moonrise Kingdom. There are a lot of people who don't like Wes Anderson. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, and he certainly does... He has his styles in full force in this movie. Uh, but I feel like as far as his movies go... It is maybe the most mature he's made so far, and I think the best he's done so far. He's boiled down his story and his characters to a very focused intensity. There are a lot of really funny jokes in it. The emotions in it are much more powerful. And I think he's found his voice by taking children as his main characters as opposed to kind of fucked up adults who are can't get over their childhoods. Uh, and it makes those character flaws both easier to accept and more sympathetic i think when it's coming from a child as opposed to a fucking adult who can't get off his ass and just do things but uh i really liked it a lot and i thought it was great and i found it both funny and affecting everything a thousand words was not and i want to say something about wes anderson i mean i i I really like the movie too i it's not my personal favorite wes anderson movie but so is that your final judgment on that one yes (laughs) but but i really liked it but I just wanted to address like Wes Anderson haters in general. Oh, and I, okay. Dan's got to wade into the okay. controversy. I'll, I'll, I will take the role of Wes Anderson hater. <laughs> I just well, I well, I don't understand. Like, it feels like <laughs> too many daddy issues. It feels like Why a lot so of cute. I feel like a lot of people I'm are irritated are, by the framing. <laughs> too much symmetry. People are outraged. So much orange at Wes Anderson for making Wes Anderson movies. Like people, I feel like are mad about the fact that Durr. he's making these movies. <laughs> Burn um, him. <laughs> can I just make my point without sure. being? Go ahead. Like it's 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 weird to me how like mad people get over the fact that these Wes Anderson movies exist because because they're so Wes Andersony. Like that's what makes them mad. And it's like guys, you know, like ninety nine point nine repeating percent of all movies are non Wes Anderson movies. So just go watch one of those fucking things. Like if you don't like Wes Anderson, like stop complaining about the fact that he has a personal style and he does these things. Like. Well, are you saying that people are like going out of their way to be like, Wes Anderson sucks? Or is it because they're like, oh, there's a new Wes Anderson movie. I don't care for him. Like, which. I feel like people are actually going out of their way to like, say Wes Anderson sucks. In front of the sucks. theater, like, holding up signs. <laughs> there have been a lot of protests. I just, I feel like his movies inspire a level of ire in certain people that is way out of proportion with like anything that he's done. You know, like uh, I, I are you seeing this mainly on the internet? Because I feel like everything on the internet inspires a level of ire it doesn't really deserve. That's yep. true, but I have had like personal conversations with people about Wes Anderson movies. It's like, oh, you know, he does the, that thing, that Wes Anderson thing. I'm like, yeah, because he's fucking Wes Anderson. Like, wh- why do you get mad at a person for doing the thing that they're known for doing? Like, I would agree with you, else. except that there are plenty. Of, there are a number of creative artists who have their own tics that bug me and i could just as easily avoid their stuff but i'd still get frustrated by it i I just i think that it's amplified out of proportion with him is 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 my argument well i'm gonna talk about some movies i've seen recently mrs wes anderson can take the first one the first one i saw recently which has inspired no ire from anybody (laughs) was prometheus (laughs) (laughs) that's one where i have to admit i'm surprised by how angry people have been about it 
I mean, come on, dude. There's like alien sex, spoiler alert. There's all kinds of there's, cool there's monsters. There's a bunch of monsters and there is like a bunch of sci-fi garbage that's a lot of fun. Like I don't know why people are people people have gotten very angry about that in a way I don't quite get. Well, and I don't get like some of like the nitpicky arguments. Like at, at my birthday I had an argument with a friend of mine who was like upset about the uh, like the, the, the surgery pod. Scene, well, let's not spoil is, stuff if people haven't seen which it. Which is like ob- quite obviously like the best fucking thing in the movie, but Maybe he, I would say yeah, that's the best scene. I, I like other things. He got mad about the fact that like, that this lady was running around after she had had this major surgery, and I'm like, what a weird like internet fanboy thing to get mad about. Like I'm willing to accept. Okay, this is a science fiction film. They have this magic medical pod. She's more healed than she would be normal. Let's, let's just get on with the let's movie. Let's take the word science fiction out of your answer. This is a film. Yeah, this is a movie. Deal with it. <laughs> like people do that kind of stuff in movies all the time. Let's just yeah. you know. Yeah, it's make believe. You it's can like make up whatever they want. This same person that you're talking about complained to me about how the archaeologist wasn't like an archaeologist. He was like this extreme sports type guy, fucking you know, not an archaeologist at all. It's a movie. You know what? Well, they're, always also, gonna, like, they're always going to cast more attractive versions of things. Have you, you know? seen like the people who get into like the sciences? They have a, a wide range of in- interests. Like, no, they're all nerds. <laughs> okay, yep. all button down nerds. They all look exactly the same. They're wearing lab coats and glasses, and that's the only type of person there is. Yeah. Anyway, what was it? What were you going to say? No, no, yeah, I totally liked it. Uh, It's a movie that I enjoyed, and yet I agree. Like, I can agree with every negative, every Every criticism. You're like, yeah, that's true, but it was also a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's a movie that to to this day I still think about a good deal. Yeah, I think I think with even now, weeks later, (laughs) (laughs) to this day, (laughs) a decade, a full decade later, I'm haunted by putting on the 3D glasses. It was one of the best uses of 3D I've seen, and I do not like 3D. Yeah. But the way they used it for the the computer displays, I thought was really great. Yeah, and I love getting to see a little bit of uh, Lawrence of Arabia in 3D. Yeah, as it was meant to be seen. <laughs> yep, as intended. <laughs> were you going to recommend something else, though? You said you saw two. Or were oh, you I mean, I saw... I, I didn't know. Pro- Did you guys Prometheus. already recommend Prometheus? Uh, I think I might You may have, have last time. Last yeah. time, just because I haven't seen a lot of movies But a lately. double rec is okay. And I saw Haywire, which I think you recommended, and yeah. I like that. I like watching actors get beat up by an MMA fighter. And uh, I'd also like to recommend Hard Target, starring <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme. John Woo's Chance Boudreau. John Woo's first American film, Hard Target. Oh yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Wilford Brimley's great. He's got a bow and arrow. Oh, watch it. All right. Yeah, sure. Who wouldn't want to see Wilford Brimley with a bow and arrow? <laughs> that's a fucking triple recommendation. Yeah, that's three movies. Only one of which each has, better than the not... last. <laughs> <laughs> All three are playing in theaters near you. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. I remember. I don't know why you have certain strong memories of movie advertisements, but the billboards for Hard Target with the like spearhead with Jean Claude Van Damme's head in it, face yeah. in it, for some reason has, has stuck with me for such a long time. Whereas movies I and his, like, he's got that really cool mullet. Yeah, the movies I like much more that I cannot remember what the posters looked like. Hard Target just burned into my mind. <clears throat> I can't. I can't stop thinking of uh, when he does those high kicks and those. Because he wears really tight jeans, but he can still do really high Those are probably Chuck Norris action jeans. The jeans designed to give you more leg movement. Really? Yeah. Those exist? They used to exist. This is actually, we found, a couple years ago, we found an old ad for them online. Or I saw a website that had it up. And uh, my boss, Rory, called the number in the ad, (laughs) which was like a warehouse somewhere, and asked them if they had any Chuck Norris action jeans lying around (laughs) that he could buy. But they said they hadn't sold them in years. (laughs) Oh, 
That's, that's a shame, because if I know anyone who could use some Chuck Norris action genes, it's Rory. It's Rory, yeah. But I just love that he, he was like, is the number readable? Yeah, I'm calling that company. It's like, really? Because this ad is like 25 years old. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe they still have some in a box. Grass yeah. it's draws. The moral, it's like, it's the, like archaeologists searching for secrets of our creators. Yeah. Yep. The moral of the story is always follow your dreams. <laughs> Trillion dollar space exploration to find action genes. <laughs> Always follow your dreams, even if it's to a warehouse keep, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, keep hope alive that you'll get keep the pope get... alive. <laughs> yeah, I think we can end there with a, a with a you stirring know. call for people to not kill the pope. <laughs> Please, the flop house says, don't kill the pope. <laughs> yeah, we can all agree on that. Remember the stance. lesson of a thousand words <laughs> that, that pope should stance. not be killed. Yeah. Still trying to figure out how action genes would work. <laughs> I don't Is know. Like they're like extra room in the. They're stretchier for some somehow. Uh, so they're like jeggings, or yeah, they're no, like they're, they're like LBJ's jeans. They got more uh, space in the bunghole area. Nobody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. So let's just wrap up the episode, huh? All right. <laughs> for the flop <laughs> Look it up. Google LBJ and, and bunghole, and you'll be in for a treat. Probably not going to do that. <laughs> for for the flop <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy. Uh, I'm still Stuart Wellington. And I continue to be Elliot Kalen as himself. Night, everyone. Boom. Good night. Another one down. Click, clack. <laughs> Can I be the murderous android? <laughs> I think you are. Is this Saturn 3? Hello, Elliot. Oh, you're the Prometheus murderous I'm android. I'm a murderous robot. <laughs> be nice to me or I'll put things in your drink. Don't, don't make fun of the fact that I can't have a baby. <laughs>